Hello and welcome to Tales from the Sisterhood, where we amplify conversations that matter. I am Joanne Schaub and my co-host Melanie Williams is not here with me today. I am rocking it solo. I'm going to be reading an article to you all today. And do you guys remember back in elementary school when you were called upon to like read in class and you just hoped that you got all the words right and you didn't fumble around? That's me right now. <laughs> so um, this article is, is um, entitled Seeking Community Here and Now. And we found this really relevant to the things that we've been sharing on the podcast recently about, you know, being your own bouncer and the friendship experiment and really, um, you know, creating this sense of community and bringing intention and attention to the people that we call our friends and, and call our community and being intentional about the ones that are here and now and being intentional about the ones that we're calling towards us. And we're calling you towards us. We're calling you to be part of this sisterhood that we have here. And we thank you, each and every one of you, for being part of this sisterhood. So let's get to it. Let's get to reading this. Um, Seeking Community Here and Now. It was written by Omid Safi. And um, you can find it on the website onbean.org. So let's dive into it. Here we go. Community does not descend down from heaven. We have to shape it right here on earth. We all crave belonging and a sense of community. We are not meant to be alone. We deserve both solitude and connection. These are not opposites as much as they are rhythms of our soul. These days I find myself thinking a lot about community, what it means, what it does to our hearts, and what happens to us when we live without it. I look around me and wonder how community is shaped and missed. As is so often the case, I go back to ancient mystical texts for wisdom and inspiration. This time I went back to an old Persian text called the Rose Garden. The 13th century Saudi's Rose Garden is the masterpiece of Persian prose. For some 700 years in India, Central Asia, Iran, and beyond, the humanism of Saudi has been a mark of erudition and cultured civilization. In the text, the great poet Saudi talks about a person having gone to a public bath. There, someone brought that person a piece of clay from a beloved. The clay was ever so fragrant, like a rose. The person begins a dialogue with the piece of clay. Are you musk or amber? Your scent is intoxicating. The clay answers back, I am just a humble piece of clay, but for a day or two, I've kept the fellowship of roses. It's their companionship that has had an impact on me. Otherwise, I am just ordinary clay. There is a pun in Persian about the word for clay, gel, and the word for roses, goal, being written using the same consonants. In Judeo-Christian Islamic traditions, the clay refers to the earth dust material that we as human beings are created from. We are cosmic dust spinning and dancing away in space. What makes us become human is that the clay becomes suffused with spirit. In Saudi's telling of the story, though, there is a less theological and more interpersonal turn. It is about fellowship 
keeping the company of beautiful ones, or rather the fellowship of the roses is what makes the spirit real. Which brings me back to community, that perpetual quest for a sense of fellowship. So many churches promise and perhaps deliver fellowship. And ultimately, what we all seek is a sense of fellowship. The kingdom of God on earth was not merely about saving an individual soul, but also about building a beloved community. Muhammad's mission was also about revolutionizing society and building a mother community, Ummah, based on the bonds of faith. In Buddhism, we seek refuge not only in the Dharma, but also in the Buddhist community, the Sangha. Religion at its best has always been about linking together individual quests and communal fellowship. Here's a mystery about community, about a sense of fellowship. Community is about much more than one person entering a space and then another person entering the space and so on. Community is not merely a gathering of individuals coming together. Community is an almost alchemical reaction that happens among all that we are capable of being and becoming. Each of us is like a musical symphony made up of so many unsung notes. It is in the encounters with our fellow human beings that determine what notes emerge from us. We have a say in the matter, but the beauty of our companions also has a say. So many of us are starting to pay attention to what we put in our bodies. Good, drink plenty of water, avoid the food porn of fast food, fill up on fruits and vegetables, reduce or eliminate meats, all lovely. And so many are taking care of our bodies through exercise, yoga, or similar ways of strengthening our bodies. Again, beautiful. We know that our bodies and souls mingle. I wonder how many of us are equally purposeful about the fellowship that we keep. Of course, even Saudi points out that it is possible to learn from the rude and unrefined, but from those innermost companions of the heart, how lovely it would be to surround oneself with the fellowship of roses. For my own sake, I realize a big change in how I approach my sense of fellowship. When I was younger, I used to judge the company I would keep based on the qualities those friends displayed. I sought friends who were kinder, gentler, more luminous than myself. Now, my focus has shifted a bit more inward. I am more focused on qualities that different fellowships bring out in me, whose companionship makes me kinder, gentler, more aware of our interconnectedness. And yes, there's so, there is more to us than merely having an inner goddess or rev- reservoir of divine qualities. Some people will also bring out my inner jerk. It is not always even about them. Sometimes it is about the particular dynamic of my qualities and their qualities. The sense of remaining mindful and heartful of the impact of our community on our hearts calls for a more vigilant and careful inner inspection. I am just a bit of clay, cosmic dust. I want to keep the company of roses, those beautiful human beings who bring out good and beautiful qualities in me and with the grace of God, I can bring out in them.
It is a sense of community that is a commitment to making goodness and beauty become real. This sense of fellowship is one that I want to seek each and every day. This community is heavenly, but it does not descend from heaven. We have to seek it, work for it, and build it here and now. This is all of us, spirit-filled, rose-scented, cosmic dust, seeking fellowship. How beautiful is that? So I took away a lot from that. Um, I think it was so beautifully written, um, way more beautiful than I write, (laughs) but that's what's beautiful about each human on the planet is that we all bring our own uniquenesses to the world. So I love how he says, community is almost an alchemical reaction that happens among all that we are capable of being and becoming. And I think those of us that have really close friendships can feel that alchemical reaction, can feel that, you know, spiritual link that is between us. And that's what this sisterhood is all about. It's about, yes, bringing us together on different topics about life, but it's really about bringing us together on a connected, um, more soulful level. So yes, we are creating alchemical reactions up in here. And I really like what he says about that he's more focused on qualities that different fellowships bring out in him, whose companionship makes him kinder, gently, gentler, and more aware of his interconnectedness. And I believe that I can say that same for me, that I am focused on those kinds of relationships where it's reciprocal. We can bring out the kinder, gentler side of one another, and we can bring out, you know, our passions and, you know, our most authentic selves with one another. So I think it's, it's beautiful, um, beautifully written. And I do think that, you know, to intentionally surround yourself with beautiful people, people who inspire you and people who make a positive impact on your life is something that you deserve and something that takes, that should take thoughtful effort, you know, on, on your part and on my part, you know, we should put time into these friendships and the, these communities and this fellowship that we're creating. And I do believe that being part of a community actually creates greater health. I believe that one of the keys to living a long, happy, fulfilling life is community. And, you know, when I think about my friendships, I think that I am so abundantly rich in my friendships because my friendships, my community, my sisterhood, my friends, we can talk about the things of the world, the superficial things, and then we can talk about the things of the soul, the things that light us up the things that uplift us, 
and what we really came here to do. And that's what all this is about. This podcast, what Melanie and I are all about is, you know, really creating this community, creating this tribe, being intentional about it. And we thank you for being part of, of the sisterhood. And if you'd like to connect with us, we absolutely would love to receive any communication from you. Uh, we do have an email account, talesfromthesisterhood at gmail.com. And you can also reach us through the Anchor app. And then if you want to, you can look us up on social media. Um, I am, you know, out there publicly on social media. So feel free to connect with us in any way that works for you. Um, just don't show up in my house because uh, <laughs> um, it's late and I'm going to bed. All right. Just had to add that there. I don't know why. I'm just being funny. So as we like to conclude with all of our podcasts is that it is all good in the sisterhood and we appreciate you listening.
Whereas when I was growing up, the guidance was get a good paying job, have job security, build a retirement, go to college, blah, blah, blah. I think it leads us right down to the South Point, which is purpose. Yes. You know, well, let's, I think, let, let's just lay the compass out. So, do so it. if you can imagine um, a compass laying in your hand and, you know, like I said, the compass became an, an important image for me when I became a mother and then it continued to be an important image for me, but my North has shifted it's always, I have craved spirituality and a spiritual connection since I was a young child. Like I remember that yearning to connect. Um, but what it looked like as my North 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago is, is different. But what I know is now I get the connection I've been craving and it's only going to get better. It's only as I practice more, I turn in more, I put time and attention to it. It's only going to get better because I'm actually heading in the right direction now. Right. So when Savannah was 12, we went into this really cool store and there was a brass compass there. And so, you know, I've given compass necklaces to my friends as they hit milestones, trying to tell them you can figure out how to guide yourself. You are your own inner guide. Mm. But she had earned, she had gotten money for her birthday and they had this brass compass and this velvet pouch and it had a glass face on it. And, you know, it had bronze arrows and, or a bronze arrow. And it was just stunning. It was in a case and it was like 40 some dollars. And my 12 year old knew instantly that she wanted that compass in her life. She wanted to hold it in her hand. She wanted to take it home with her. You know, so when I think about my internal compass, I picture that compass. It has a weight to it. You can hold it in your palm and feel the weight of this guidance, you know? So when I think about it at the North point is spirituality. And we all know inherently when we have that connection, we feel it. Um, and then the East, so going to the right, the next point is relationships. And then the South opposite spirituality is purpose. And the West opposite relationships is health and wellness. And so that's how my compass is laid out. I shared it with you, Joanne, and you felt like it made sense for you as well. Um, I'd be interested to see if people have different points on their compass or if this is universal. Me too. Yeah. When you presented the idea to me, you didn't even have, you hadn't even shared the compass aspect of it, but you were sharing this topic idea. And so I was just writing down, well, what are my non-negotiables for motherhood? What are the things that I find most important? And I wrote down a few, like maybe like eight or nine different things. And they all went into one of your four categories. So for me, that made the most sense to, um, you know, have this visual as well as my compass. So um, do you want to share right now, like how we bring each point into our life? Or do you want to share more about moving on to the other topics? Um, well, I shared about spirituality pretty in depth, I think. Okay. Um, why don't, why don't you share? Because I know that that is one of your favorite things to talk about and to, oh. and to do. It's my jam. I, I really, um, I love spirituality. I've been on a very long journey with God. 
And um, one of the things that I wanted to share with um, with you and with the listeners is how I can how we can bring this into our life, you know, or how I bring it into my life to make it as something that is an actual experience. And one of the things that I do um, throughout my day, you know, we're all connected to our phones. We can't lie, we are. Um, and so because. I, I do have my phone around me throughout the day. I have reminders that go off of my phone to remind me to connect to myself, to connect within and to feel that connection to God. And so I've gotten my kids on board with doing this. If they're around and, and my reminder goes off, you know, I just put my hand over my heart center and just mm. feel that connection, you know. And I mean, as soon as I do that, and I don't know if it happens for everybody, but as soon as I do that, it's like, whoo, I get mm -hmm. taken away to a space within. And so I am showing my kids, you know, how to connect to themselves because I do believe that kids are inherently connected to themselves, yes. but you know, they're also growing up in an external world. So they're being pulled to all kinds of amazing things. I mean, they are literally seeing things for the first time, you know? Right. So, um, having them connect to their hearts every day. And then I also have this book that I read my kids, um, it's from the science of mind um, religious group. I don't know if you call them religious group or not, but that's what I'm coming up with right now. Anyway, it's basically about a dog who comes to earth and he has all these experiences and he's, you know, here to meet other people and to spread joy. And it's just a really good lesson about, you know, how to, um, you know, or why we're really here, you know, why we decided to come into this body. So, um, that would be what I would share on spirituality, just, you know, how I bring it into my life and just how it's just really a part of me. It's, it is all these things that we're talking about today. It, it's, it is me. They are me fully and completely because I've taken the time to, to get to know myself and to uncover these things, you know, about me. Yeah. And I think one of the things that has to be pointed out is we can cultivate this lifestyle by saying no to things. It, it is really hard. The busier we become, the more frantic we are in our life, the more things we wake up with on our plate in the morning makes this increasingly difficult. So back when I was running my web design business, I listened to this, I don't know, podcast or something, but, but the lady said, I want you to take your to-do list as a business owner and actually look at each task and put an amount of time that it would take you to complete that task next to it and add it up. Well, I looked at my to-do list for the next day and I was living a very different life then. I was running a business. I had people that worked on a team with me. I had two children in public school. Um, you know, so when I added it up and I only had from like nine in the morning to three, cause my kids didn't stay in after school or anything right. like that. So it was a short window. My tasks added up, my expectations for the day added up to 19 hours. Oh, wow. Ooh. So I had set myself up for failure before I even got out of bed. Where would I have had any chance to connect with myself or my children or my life or what was for dinner? You know, when I was expecting myself like a freaking robot 
to accomplish more in a day than I had given myself any space to do. So mm. let's just all acknowledge that we sometimes use busyness to distract ourselves from really dealing with stuff and really proactively living our lives instead of just reactively accepting everything, you know, like, so anyways, say no, it's a spiritual practice. It is. It is. All right. What, where are we going next? South or East? Let's go. Well, let's go East. All right. That's the, the way you usually think about it. I always remember the points on a compass by never eat shredded wheat, Northeast, Southwest. Um, okay. So next, I think we can kind of rush right through because it's relationships, not rush right through, but we've really been talking a lot about this. Like even going back to our introductory episode, we talked about relationships, um, you know, for, so, so we haven't really talked a lot about this as a, maybe as much as a mothering compass, um, when it comes to interacting with child behavior. Um, so just to go, I, maybe we should have done a podcast on each point on the compass. Cause just to go back really quickly to spirituality, I, I did find as my children got older and we moved away from church and corporate religion and that kind of thing that I lacked a system in which to talk to them about God and about spirituality and about their inner guidance and all of those things, because I'd grown up in a very systematic religious tradition that taught me, you know, the parables and stories from the Bible and all the um, gifts of the fruits of the spirit and all of that. I didn't have a vocabulary to talk about spirituality with my kids I was just figuring things out myself. So I found this book called um, A Family's Guide to the Virtue. The virtue. Oh, gosh. I'm going to. Oh, it's right here in front of me. Oh, the thank Family you. Virtues Guide yes. Simple Ways to Bring Out the Best in Our Children and Ourselves. So I would say, number one, Tales from the Sisterhood recommendation for parenting and just clarifying things on your journey is buy yourself that book. Get yes. For you read the introduction where it talks about our purpose as a parent. Um, it's a compilation of 52 values that are shared by all the major religions in the world and not just major indigenous religions. It's virtues like healthfulness, generosity, gratitude, perseverance, um, and assertiveness. These are really, so, so it really helps with the spiritual compass if you have the same language to talk about these things with your kids. And you can say, when I bought the book, the first chapter I jumped to with my kids was the one on honoring, honor, and what the concept of honor is, and that I am worthy of their honor. Not because I'm old, not just because I'm older than them and I'm their mom, but I prove myself to them every single day. My commitment to them, I am trustworthy. And in return, I deserve honor, but they deserve honor as well. And so we had this whole conversation about respect, which is demanded by authority and honor, which is given voluntarily. So that is a spiritual alignment that I feel within my compass, you know, so. I love that. And I love that you share that um, with everyone because you shared it with me and I'm now practicing it with my kids. And so far we've gone over kindness, generosity, and helpfulness. I have yes. to keep it a bit more basic because my kids are five and three. So, right. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's a really beautiful point. 
You know, yeah. I try, I try to do a virtue with my kids. My goal is to do it every week. I, it's not been something I've been doing, but really the six that we did, we keep talking about them, you know, compassion, things like that. So it's, it's really beautiful. But the next one is relationships, which obviously connects so closely and flows directly from your spirituality, you know, where your compass is lined up and teaching your children about what they need. Like we talked about and being your own bouncer and the friendship experiment, which we're both very much, you know, just digging into, um, teaching your kids, what do they need in a relationship? You know? Um, yeah, I, um, you know, my kids are so little right now and I was thinking about this aspect, you know, and, and really it's about all of this is about living this way yourself and being the example. So right now with my kids, they're five and three. So, you know, showing them healthy relationships, showing them a healthy marriage, you know, um, introducing them to other children, you know, getting them involved in activities, encouraging them to play and explore with other people, you know, these are the things that I can do right now to support their relationships um, because they're, they're still in the, you know, they're very much, you know, they can play by themselves, you know, right. for a while. Um, they're not necessarily looking to build relationships and friendships right now, even though they do need that and they do enjoy their friends. Um, so I do think that, you know, right now for me, you know, showing them healthy relationships, a healthy relationship with myself and a healthy relationship with their dad, um, which I am married to, <laughs> but yeah. that sounded like I wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah. So just being the example, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, spot on. I would say that in retrospect, the most important relationship guidance I gave my kids when they were your kid's age was in their dynamic with me, um, right. showing them how, because when someone will give every ounce of themselves to you, which is how it is for me with my children. Absolutely. And then I just, then I am just, uh, you know, a shell. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dramatic. Um, but, uh, you know, I had to teach them how to stop asking me for things, how to respect me, how to honor me. Once again, going back to that, um, as their needs changed and it was, yes. and, it, and it's really interesting actually, cause this parallels exactly with the story that you told me last week that live you know, she has big, big emotions, your daughter Liv, and, yes. um, and she is a fireball. And so she's gotten in this habit of just like busting out into a shriek and you come running like the house is on fire, <laughs> you know, yep. but that used to be, you used to have concerns. Oh, she's gotten in the knife drawer and cut herself or, or oh, she's fallen down the stairs or because she was little right. and she needed anytime she was out of your eyesight, it was perilous <laughs> you know, when they're that little yeah. and now it's not anymore. And she just, and so tell that story from the other day when she was shrieking. Oh God. Yeah. And what she, she wanted. The best part was what she wanted. Oh, I know it. Yeah. So yeah, she woke up at like five 
five o'clock or five thirty in the morning, which is way too early for me. And she was just screaming and screaming and screaming. And I went in there to figure out what it was that she needed. And um, she just screamed and screamed and screamed. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like, and, and this is something that, you know, I am coming to right now as a mom is just like, my needs matter as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, this is, this is an overreaction and I can't even help you right now. So I'm going to remove myself from the situation and take care of me. So I just went back and I laid down and of course I didn't go back to sleep. I could still hear her, you know. And then she quieted down and I heard her, she was still kind of crying and she was like, mom, you know, and I was like, okay, that I will respond to. So I went back to her room and, and she, you know, was all cuddly and I was like, what was going on? What did you want? What did you need? I just wanted to snuggle. And, you know, she's, you know, I co-slept with her for a very long time and I still spend a lot of nights in her room, but I also enjoy my own bed and I enjoy being with my partner. And if she wants someone to sleep with, she has a brother. She can sleep with Carson, you know? So I understand, you know, the need for us to have that connection even at nighttime. But I am I am also in this space now where it's like I have to take care of me and I have to show them that I matter. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like and it's also teaching her too. Um, this is another transition that happens as your kids get older, you can shift your focus back to your partner. You know, they need to know, like my kids know that Chris is my first human (laughs) priority outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that I always choose him because other things come up, but consistently they know and they respect, you know, this is mom and dad time and mom needs to connect with dad here. And they see us like we go walk at Lake Genaluska um, here in Haywood County all the time. I mean, we've probably, we probably go through phases where we're walking five days a week and, and we take a long route and it's over four or four miles, lots of hills. It's rigorous when it needs to be and pleasant when it needs to be. Right. Um, And, you know, we're gone for an hour and a half. And, uh, but I'm at the, I have children that age. Um, so I, I've, I have had to instill that in them, that this relationship matters, you know, and to say to her, you can trust your brother here. Right. You know, don't, this would be a, a, a withdrawal from me that I don't need you to make. Um, so that actually goes into the love languages, which we're going to talk about in another episode. So that's relationships. We talked about relationships, what you need in a friendship, I think translates to every connection in your life. Um, so we definitely can, you know, uh, do you think we need to say anything else about relationships? I think we'd be that one down on the last <laughs> one. No, <laughs> we own, we own relationships. That's right. Um, Okay. And then, uh, the next one, so South, and I really loved this being, you know, the opposite direction from purpose. Um, but it's kind of like, you can think about it as the sun and the moon. 
Right. You know, and how tied they are and how they're always um, influencing each other and providing significance to us that's different and guiding us in different ways and are equally uh, valuable. So um, for me, so for me on purpose, I just jotted down an idea for the kids, but I want my kids to... um, for the purpose that drives their life, for the thing outside of spirituality, relationships and maintaining their health and wellness that I want them to spend their time and energy on is their purpose. And I want it to pay them all kinds of dividends. I want it to pay them in joy, enjoyment, um, motivation, money, I want my kids to be well paid. I want them to be financially secure, but not to the detriment of purpose. Those things have to be in balance. So for my kids' purpose, I want them to live a life that follows curiosity and their natural inclinations. So just like when you're on point with the points of your compass, life has an ease to it. It's it's ease over easy. Yes, following your compass, it ain't easy, right? You know, it's just not, but it's joyful and it's fulfilling and it's beautiful. Um, So I want my kids to do something that constantly spurs their curiosity, constantly pulls them forward in life towards growth and expansion and and then for them to be doing things that their mind and their body are naturally inclined to. My husband is a banker with a, a bank here and it does not align with him in a lot of ways. He's very good at it. He's very successful at it, but he would tell you, you know, if, if he could do anything he wanted to, he would not be sitting. He is an incredibly physically dynamic man Mm -hmm. and putting on a suit and tie and sitting in a chair, looking at a computer every day is the way he supports his family. Right. Mm -hmm. It does not gel at all with his natural inclination. Yeah. And and he'll be shifting that. (laughs) We will, we'll see, you know, I mean, you, you, that's the thing about your life is Sometimes your what pays you is you have you can find purpose outside of it, you know. Yes. And that's not the goal for my kids, but a lot of us that weren't raised to see the world this way have made choices for careers, you know, in and you just have to embellish your life in other ways. So Yes, and I, I feel that too. I, I know that's that's you know, I'm I'm on purpose right now in my own life to support my husband and transitioning, you know, into something different. So we're all, you know, at different points on this, you know, following our purpose and getting, you know, paid in all those ways. I love how you said paid in those multiple dividends, not just mm-hmm. money, you know, because it's mm-hmm. important that we feel fulfilled from what we're doing and we we get more from it than just a paycheck. So under purpose, um, I had um, put life skills for my kids because right now, you know, the purpose of of their life is to learn how to live as a human, you know? And so, you know, we're doing like simple meal prep and swimming and riding a bicycle. And, you know, I want to follow their passions up. You know, Carson, um, he expressed interest in a camera. And I'm like, okay, 
you know, we can do a camera, you know, and we'll just get him some kind of small like digital camera that he can start off with. But who knows, that might lead to something really cool for him, or it might just be something he wants to play with for right now. And I don't care either way, mm -hmm. but I'm just excited. And, and it's fortunate that, you know, we can support that and fortunate too, that he's not asking for something that's, you know, um, financially unattainable for us right now. But um, so for me, it's like, you know, fueling my kids' purpose right now is just following what they're interested in and allowing them to play and explore and, mm -hmm. and do what, what makes them happy right now. And I want them to do that all their life, but since they're so little, mm -hmm. um, for me, purpose kind of translates more into, um, you know, let's, let's, you know, be together. Let's learn things together. Let's explore life together and see what lights you up, you know? Right. Well, and Carson is five, right? Yeah. So you're also teaching him priorities and what's important because he's not in school. You know, right. he's not, you are teaching him that play is important. And I think growing up and demanding that space in your life for play, if you were taught that play wasn't important when you were five and you had seven hours a day of sitting and listening to someone talk to you, how you, you know, Albert Einstein, I'm going to get this quote wrong, but he said something about like creativity is more valuable than genius. I'm going to have to look that quote up some other time, but um, we have to teach our children because guess what? what he learns to be interested in now in this vacuum of exploring himself and life is going to guide him as he gets older, you know, providing space. Like that is one of the greatest gifts. Again, going back to busyness, you know, if, if our kids are so busy with all of their activities and their commitments and how do they even have time to sit and be like, I, I put a, post on Instagram uh, yesterday or this morning and my son was going over for a sleepover and he comes up to me and I'm all distracted because we've just gotten back from DC and uh, going back to relationships. I call my friend and I'm like, Hey, let's get our kids together. And she said, I know what that means. It means you want me to take your children so you yeah. can have a break. Oh, I said, I'll take them tomorrow. I'll take yours tomorrow. And so in that dynamic that I've established that's so reciprocal with her, she knows what I need before I even articulate it. She told her husband, I'm going to hear from Melanie tomorrow. <laughs> She's wow. Gonna yeah. But she knows that oh. I'm going to do the exact same. For yeah. Her. And so Cole was going over to their house to sleep over and he was so excited about it that his face was not enough to show it. And he, so he got a box and like put, drew this smiley face on a piece of paper and taped it on there so that when he saw his friend, he could have this huge smiling head. I love it. I saw it. I loved it. <laughs> but you know, that's him having space, not being rushed around, not being, you know, everything predetermined for him, everything external. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that this is the time of exploration. Childhood should be a time of self-exploration and really dialing into how they feel 
in relationships, in situations, when they move their body certain ways, when they eat certain things. Oh, I, I'm, I tried that and it hurt my stomach or it made me feel like this, you know? Um, so, so giving them the space and the time to, to be doing those things helps to build purpose in the end. Um, and then, of course, health and wellness was the last point where uh, where West would be on our compass. And I put um, one. So I did not grow up playing sports at all. Um, and my family, I, I wouldn't say was exceptionally active. Um, and so and then I fell in love with and married a man who can literally play any sport. And impress you. Oh, wow. I mean, (laughs) I love it. He is drawn towards activity and sports and he has really shifted my life because I learned how much I need to move because of being in a relationship with him. You know, we learned very early that we're not the couple who wants to pay to go out to dinner in a movie. We want to go for a walk, you know, Mm. we want to ride bikes we want to go to the beach and swim and run and this is the life that we enjoy living. We're both very physical people, but that was not how I grew up. So for my kids, I really am trying to introduce them to lots of things and see what catches. Savannah did dance, gymnastics, basketball, um, before she started playing volleyball. And it was like a switch had flipped in that child. Of course, oh, wow. her, her dad awesome. plays volleyball. Roller skating is another one. We roller skate. Yep. I love it. It is fabulous, fun for us. And my kids have been roller skating for a long time. So those are two activities that she craves in her life. It's not like, oh, I got to go work out. Right. Not, I want that for them. Yeah. And, so I want that for us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you have to do that for yourself. I Absolutely. didn't grow up doing that. So, and then of course, like food, which we talk about on this podcast a lot, we're both whole food parents, um, natural living parents and, you know, just my kids being aware of what a clean quote unquote house is and how to clean, um, what to use to clean your house. These are very bad. And we really need to do a podcast on that as well. Like, Oh, we will. We need yes, to we will. <laughs> I'm gonna put that on the list. Um, but yeah, so health and wellness is just the whole physical, mental, it's taking care of the animal that you are and taking care of the computer that is your brain, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like- yeah. I love that. I love thinking it that way. And, uh, I was on a hike with Melanie or a walk. She would call it a walk. We were on a walk and we were going up this big hill near where she lives. And I was just like, we went, well, we went down like three hills and then I was like, dang, we're gonna have to go up these things. Like, um, should we turn around now? And <laughs> And, uh, okay, we can turn around. I'm like, okay, maybe we should rest first, you know, kind of gear up for this. And Melanie was like, you're an animal. Get out of your mind. Get into your animal. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm an animal. <laughs> it's true. And we, we all, and that's funny because when, when I run and when I'm on my bike, I'll say when I, and my brain is like, oh, we don't really have to do this. I don't really want to do this. I'll chant that out loud to myself. I am an animal. I'm built for this. I am an animal. I'm built for this. And, and my body loves me for it. You know, there's, there's, there's just such a drive within me to be, 
to push myself physically to the point of, and I also really like to sweat. Um, you know, it's not pleasant to be around me afterwards cause I'm a freaking hot mess, but, <laughs> but I did not sweat for a long time, hardly at all until I was in my thirties. Um, and I thought that it was like this badge of, I'm a rock star cause I don't sweat. And then I started looking into it. Um, and realize this is actually a sign that my body is not functioning well. Mm-hmm. Yes, mean, sweating is detoxifying. It is. And I did not for the first yeah. you know, 25, 30 years of my life, hardly sweat at all, even during rigorous activity. And so I shifted things in my diet and shifted my things in how I work out. And now I, whew, I sweat. Now you sweat. I now sweat. You sweat. Yeah. So that's, and that's something that I have, um, that I have modeled for my kids and I'll be getting all grumpy and snappy and stuff and shorten patience. And my kids will be like, mom, why don't you go get on your bike? <laughs> nice. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Health is a major thing for us, you know? Um, and I love that you and I connect on this, uh, because it, you know, it really does navigate of so much of my life. Um, you know, with my kids right now, they're so little, but they do know organic and they do know chemicals and, you know, what they know about them is limited by their, you know, ability to comprehend that right now. But they understand that I'm looking for the organic product, you know, I'm looking for the chemical free, um, you know, products. So they get that. And so I'm excited that they're actually being raised that way because it's going to support their health in in so many ways. And well, I think uh, Joanne, one thing I would say there for you, and I, and I do this, I, I, I feel like I do this a lot, but as a mom who's 14 years in, you say things and I hear things from you that I am like, okay, I want to, I just want to give you a different perspective on that. One of the greatest blessings that you're giving your kid is the constant inclusion of whole foods in their diet. Right. So to them, it is un- like a bag of Cheetos. What is that? Not that they wouldn't put it in their mouths and, and like the taste of it because it's engineered for that, but they would be con- con- they would be conscious of how it affected their bodies. They would look at their fingers and be like, why are my fingers orange? They're not orange after a carrot. You know, like this is, this is not the way we eat. Yeah. We eat like this and you feel like this. This is what being full feels like. This is what having regular bowel movements feel like. You know, like it is such a blessing for kids to grow up and expect color in their diet. Yeah, that's great. And I love it too. Like Carson told me the other day, like his favorite food right now is an apple. And I'm just like, yes, you know, and, 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 you know, we make choices, you know, from this space. And I'll tell you, like we have, were invited to two parties tonight and one party I had RSVP to like three weeks ago. So I'd already committed us to one party, but one of it is this family who's having a pajama party, holiday pajama party for the kids and for the adults. And we're going to have, you know, healthy pizza. Now this, this mom is a holistic mom. She is on point with diet on point. And so going there tonight, I feel so excited Mm. to be going there and knowing that whatever options are going to be laid out are going to be of the healthier, like more quality end, right? Right. Where the other part that we were invited to, I really like the people there that are hosting it, but 
it's called a will it fry party. So everything they oh. the oil that they use to deep fry their turkey in. Now they're trying to fry different things in it. And like I love the concept. I think it's fun. Will it fry, you know, experiment and I get it. But it's like of, you know, party choices. It's like, you know what? I think I'd rather take my family to a party that I know is going to be in alignment with my guide, my compass right. and health, you know? Right. Cause I mean, so much of food nowadays is all about the tongue. It's it. That's like the only organ that matters in the body when it comes to interacting with nourishment. Wow. And the right. tongue is the worst guide. The tongue is like a freaking toddler, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. why I, now I love the way my food tastes. I love it, but I had to shift to what I expected. And I still am a, uh, am a lover of salt. Like I, I salt, but I yeah. also constantly hydrate and do a, and sweat. And so I think the salt isn't, I crave it because I need it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so much about the of food is about, yes, I, I, healthy food tastes amazing to me and I get super excited about it when I, when it's in the bowl in front of me and I've got roasted sweet potatoes and I've got peppers and onions and I've got avocado and a, and a over easy egg. And I'm like, heck yeah, I'm about to stick my face in here. But, <laughs> but I think so many people forget that it's fuel. <laughs> it's freaking fuel, man. Yes. And if yes. it's just empty calories and preservatives and crap, you are getting nothing else from that food. In fact, you're, you're being hurt yeah. by it, you yeah. know, and so much of our quote unquote chronic health conditions are because of how we feed ourselves, you know? So for yeah. my kids to know, for, for my daughter to say, for my birthday, I want, uh, I make this dish that she loves with French green beans and I saute them in slivered onions and butter, love butter. Um, and again, butter is fine. Just get good butter. Your, Real your butter. brain is made out yes, of fat. Yeah. You need fat in your body. Um, and so anyways, uh, you know, so she, my mother-in-law was cracking up because Savannah was like, what I want for my birthday is a tub of these green beans and almonds, you know, and, and she can look at something else and be like, those French fries can't compete with this delicious dish over here. So, you know, teaching your kids about how to take care of themselves. You know, when Savannah got a sinus infection, the first thing I did was show her YouTube videos about how her, how her sinus cavities are laid out in her face and what the mucus is from and what causes it and the difference between a decongestant and a neti pot. And then I told her, I said, do, which do you want? And she was like, I'm going to use this neti pot. And she did it like on her own every hour or so for a day and a half and felt amazing. That's amazing. I love it. And that same day, Liv got herself, she's three, she got herself tangled up with some ants, some red ants. And she was like screaming because they do hurt, you know, they sting. And she was like, I need oils. I need oils. Yes. <laughs> she knows that we put like purification or basil or something on it to ease the sting, you know, mm. and to ease the itching. So oh, I haven't used basil for that. Yeah. So we're talking right now. We're talking about Young Living oils. We're both yes. 
young living addicts um, and use them in Every our day. lives. Yeah. All day. Yeah, for sure. When we were in DC, you better believe I was putting thieves on my kids and, you know, it's just, it's just the way you live. It's it just, is it's just the way you live, man. It is. Uh, All right. So I don't want to cut us off here, but my family just showed up and, uh, um, and I do oh, your compass, your, your, your re uh, relationship compass is kicking in. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I, I value this conversation highly and I, I, I think our listeners and I think you and I could, you know, go on and on and on about these subjects and we are going to, we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So wrapping this up, um, the North is spirituality. Um, the East is relationships. The South is purpose and the West is health. And we would really love for, um, you all to give us some feedback is, is your compass, is it have the same four, you know, guideposts or is your compass different? You know, I'm curious. I'm curious too, because when I shared mine with you, I didn't know if, if it would resonate with you or if you would come back and say, Oh, mine is like this. So this is a mother's compass. And, and really you don't have to be a mother. This conversation is just about having your own compass. But for me, I develop my compass through motherhood. Motherhood is what has honed mm -hmm. the clarity around this for me. Yeah. Um, my, but Savannah's will and Cole's will not, that's not their reality. That's mine. Um, so, so yeah. So if you create a compass, um, we'd love for you, if you post it on Instagram and use hashtag tales from the sisterhood, we'd love to see, we'd love to see it. Yes, we would. Yeah. And if you have any questions, I'm actually going to share, um, my notes from this. Um, and yeah, uh, just, I think it's, I think it's a beautiful conversation and I appreciate so much this time to chat with you, Joanne, you know, our, our goal is to amplify conversations that matter. Um, and this is, this is a really important one. This is a conversation that matters and it's a conversation that's going to continue and get expanded on because this is really what's guiding our life and it's going to guide this podcast too. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, definitely. But you know, it's all good in the sisterhood. It is. It is all good in the sisterhood. Yep. And we have each other's back. So we do. Yep. Um, all right. Thanks for joining us today. Everybody have a great day. All right. Peace out.